0: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts. Parents should be ready to cover their ears.
1: Uh, they don't to be, uh, this is a mm-hmm. 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 production. All right,
2: yeah. Entertainment is Broken Sea Audio Production, OTR Swagcast.
3: Sunday is gloomy, my hours are slumberless.
1: Here is the shadows I live with
3: are numberless.
1: Little white flowers will never awaken
3: you, not where the black coach of sorrow has taken you. Angels have no thought of ever returning you. Would they be angry if
1: I thought of joining you?
2: Jake, where in tarnation y'all got me fuck? Jake, come in, Jake. Jake? Oh, Dag damn it. Me and the Rita's done been lost out here. Thicker and the Twister out there in Cross Plains, Texas, and Robert E. Howard at the helm. Anyway, folks, this here is Texas them flying Rowdy Rita Airways, and I'm bringing you week one of the OTR. Uh, what what's swag cast thing here? Joy! I don't know what the heck swag cast thing is, but you know, I am just, just a barred store from Texas. Anyway, y'all hang tight because we're getting ready to go to one of them discotechs. Oh, so, hope, hope I don't have to wear a suit and tie. Next time I do one of those things loose, maybe gun. Anyway, <laughs> Anyway, th- 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 then we're headed off to Peoria with well, that some kind of plague. What in the heck is plague doing in Peoria? I tell you what, folks, it's going to get frightful before I fly these hero old podcasty old things over to the Broken Sea Towers so y'all can hear some. Anyway, <laughs> that-, oh, yeah, that was close. Darn, are just like the Wizard of eyes or something. Anyway, after Peoria, we go over to Dunwich. Not really sure where the heck Dunwich is, but here's something by Salem, Massachusetts. Can't ever say that word. Shoot! Woo! Hey, that was close you. Anyway, then Barnabas stops in It's some dark jetties. So, y'all hang tight, and I'll try and bring on Rita in so y'all can hear this. If not, this is Texas Holden. And
1: it's
3: week one of Halloween Swagcast, 2030. Hey! It's Sunday in the shadows, I spend it all My heart and I have decided to end it all Soon there'll be candles and prayers that are sad I know Let them not weep, let them know that I'm glad to go Death is no dream, for in death I'm caressing you.
1: With the last breath of my soul, I'll be blessing you.
3: Blue Miss Sunday.
1: What am I doing here? He
4: the other five presents Discotheque. Jenny, it's no use, Jenny. I know you're here somewhere. Jenny. Oh, oh I, I, I beg your pardon, sir. I, I'm trying to find my wife. I know she ran this way, and I. No, oh, wait. Say, wait a minute. i What all the nerve? Just ignored me and walked away. All the blazes with him. I've got to find her. I've got to find my wife. Oh, uh, excuse me, madam. Could you help me? I'm looking for a woman. Well, she she looks more like a girl. Uh, my wife. You see, I'm 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 sure you remember her if you saw her. She. Oh, please don't turn away like that. Look, here's my card. My my name is Ralph Wilson. I'm an investment counselor, a respected man in my. Oh, please listen to me. Oh, what's the matter with all of you? Where am I? What city is this anyway? I'm so confused. Jimmy, Jimmy, I insist that you answer me, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy. I gotta slow down. Exhausted. Only I could find a cab or something. No cabs, no cars at all. Where am I? I don't recognize anything. Row after row of tall buildings, as far as your eye can see. All the windows, dark and lifeless. Filthy, littered streets, completely empty. There's a little park over there. I'll sit down just for a second. I must sit down.
1: Ah. Oh, that's better. That's better. What a dreary-looking park.
4: Grass dead. No flowers. Junk and trash all over the place. Ugly, ugly city.
5: Hey, Ooh. you got a match, man? What? Like a match, sweetie. You dig?
4: Young lady, who are you?
5: Shh. Cool it, man. They may be watching.
4: What are you talking about?
5: Cool it. You want some official to dig us making this scene together? Man, there's rules here.
4: Well, what rules? Where am I? What city is this?
5: Oh, man. Like I gotta split this place.
4: Oh, you come back here. I insist Don't that... you
5: touch me. Shh. Oh, what's Watch uh, the contact. My hand. It's burned. Where? What
4: happened? I... I only touched you and... Oh,
5: man. You don't dig, do you? Dig? No contact. No communication. Like the rules. What
4: rules? Who makes them?
5: Oh, man. Like you don't make this scene regular, do you?
4: Well, I'm a stranger around here, if that's what you mean. <laughs>
5: A stranger. This cat found herself a stranger. Like right off the boat from nowhere, itself.
4: I don't understand.
5: Like you're my ticket, Tiger. You're my one-way ticket. Like out of this scene. Like a chick finds herself a square that don't belong. She can maybe cut out. Split. What? Escape. You dig?
4: Well, young lady, you've got the wrong ideas about me.
5: Like I got a lot of ideas. My name's Wilma.
4: No, no, you don't understand. You see, I'm looking for my wife. Perhaps you saw her. She's a beautiful girl with long golden hair. She's a, a good deal younger than I am. I'm sure you'd remember her. She's a dancer. Well, what I mean to say, she always wanted to dance. You see, when she married me, I insisted that she forget all of... Oh, that's not important. I, what, what what happened was that we, we we had difficulties. You see, she she ran away, but I, I found her, and, and I was bringing her back when... Well, I don't know. I, uh, suddenly there was a, a, a terrible, terrible confusion. And and she ran away from me again. I, 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 I tried to follow, but somehow I lost her. However, I'm certain she's here someplace.
5: Hey, hey, Tyke. You, like, forget that blonde chick. You got little old Wilma cat now. Man, it's getting dark. We could, like, split this scene so easy.
4: Get away from me.
5: Cool it. Cool it.
4: I want nothing to do with you, do you understand?
5: Like anything you say. You're blowing solo on this set, man. Only... Only what? Like, uh, like I just might know what scene a certain chick with long golden hair is making.
4: Ginny, you know where Ginny is? Now, tell me.
5: This cat don't sing for free.
4: All right, what do you want?
5: Like uh, when you take this chick back. You take me, too. Take?
6: Well, that's impossible.
5: Like no deal? So long, swinger.
4: No, wait. Come back. Uh, all right. All right, it's a deal. I, I'll, I'll take you back
6: with me. Now, where is she? Dancing. What?
5: Dancing. Over at Nick's place. Nick's place? Yeah, where the action is. Chicks like this Ginny always make it at Nick's. Who, who's Nick. He's the man-tiger. And the man sits up on the platform and he spins the records. And that beat just goes on and on. Beat? Nick's got himself a discotheque now, man. A swingin' discotheque.
4: Discotheque? One of those crowded jet-set dance halls? I never go to such places.
5: You want to locate your chick? You're going to make that scene.
4: Oh, very well. Take me there, but I insist that you be quick about it.
5: <laughs> like wow, come on. You follow behind me, like you didn't know me, but had ideas. What? What? Nobody communicates around here, but like we all got ideas. Like that's the lead sheet. Like that's the whole point. You dig? <laughs>
4: What kind of a place is this? That music, it's enough to blast out your eardrums. And <coughs> the heat. And smoke. Where's
5: Ginny? She'll show. Come on, tiger. <laughs> Turn it on. You do to dance here. It's the rule.
4: Dance? You call that dancing? Everybody writhing their bodies about like tortured animals groping through a a fog of heat and smoke, (laughs) moving alone as if each were in his own little agonized world. Why, it's it's indecent. (laughs) And and do they have to play the record so loud? Music blocks out everything, thought, emotions. Memory, everything.
5: Why, man, this is like where the
4: action is. Who's that fellow playing the records over there? I swear I've I've met him someplace.
5: Like that's Nick himself.
4: Perhaps he could help me. Uh, excuse me, sir. Like, uh, you mean me, Clyde? You know, I, I believe we've met someplace. Like I'm Nick, Clyde, like everybody knows Nick. Uh, my name's Ralph, Ralph Wilson. You see... Say, could you turn down the music a bit? <laughs> Clyde, you just don't dig. I beg your pardon? Like, welcome to Nick's Discotheque, Clyde. Like it's the in-type scene to make down these parts. These parts? Where are we?
1: <laughs> Clyde? You find out for yourself. Dig?
5: Go, how long? Go,
4: how long go. does this continue?
5: It just goes on, man, on and on.
4: Oh, this searing heat, <laughs> and the smoke, and hideous, cacophonous music—it's appalling. Yeah,
5: that's why you and me gonna split this scene, gonna split for good. Come on, Tiger, take oh. me away from here. Oh, Old Nick ain't looking now. Take me back for good. No.
4: Yeah. Until I find my wife. I've got to find Ginny. Uh
5: -uh. (sighs) Uh-uh. I suppose your chick don't want to go back, man. Uh, What's the
4: action then? I don't want to go back. Why, I... I force her.
5: Like, wow. Tiger man strikes again. You
4: see, I do not tolerate disobedience. Ginny is a very weak-willed person. I've always had to make decisions for her. Why, she even... Even tried to call off our wedding at the last minute. But I was firm.
5: Like, wow.
4: You see, my mother had planned a beautiful ceremony and reception for us. Ginny's parents are dead. Man, like
5: you've got a mother-type character making the scene, huh?
4: My mother is a very fine woman. She's widowed. She lives with us. I don't know what I'd do without her.
5: Like that's why this Ginny chick cut out on you. hmm? Of course
4: not. Ginny's a child. A a selfish, immature, beautiful child woman who who needs to be guided. Controlled. I've had to push her into everything. Everything. By even buying a permanent home. Can you imagine? She wanted the two of us to live alone in expensive hotel rooms. Like a couple of gypsies. (laughs) Oh, yes. Romantic nonsense. Why, she... She didn't even want to have a child.
5: Man, this chick. Like she's got a kid?
4: We have a son, Robbie. He's three years old.
5: Man, like a chick's got to be pretty low to put on her own kid. No wonder she's making this scene. Well, What's being here got to do with that? Like everything, man. Turn it on. Keep dancing. <sighs> this Ginny okay. chick... She ran off with some other
4: cat? No, nothing like that. Like no, like I'm sorry, I am. Well, yes. Yes, there. There were other men. Oh. The the disgrace I I. Terrible disgrace. Everybody knew, my friends, my poor mother.
5: Let Ginny go, man. Let that sad little chick
4: go. No, no, I, I know what's right for her. For us. No one else can have her. She's mine. I'll make her come with me if I have to force her. If I have to beat her. What's the matter? Why are you staring at me like that?
5: Just wondering, man. Why you ain't here yourself. Permanent. What? Oh, turn it on, man. Keep dancing. Where is she? She'll show.
4: Oh, I was so close to finding her. So close to having her for good. And then something happened. If only I could remember. I was so close. Only. only three hours and 15 minutes away. I remember saying that. Huh? I remember. Wait a minute. That's it. Three hours and 15 minutes. That. That was the time it was going to take for our journey home. Yes. Yes. Now I remember. It was a sunny, beautiful day. And the ground, the ground swept away from us as we soared upward. And then it clouded over, but the plane, the plane finally broke through the heavy overcast and we were landing.
5: Turn it on, man. Turn it on. Keep dancing.
4: And then, yes, it's all coming back. Suddenly, suddenly the plane dropped as if it were pulled down by some evil giant. I remember thinking that. And there was a horrendous noise. Oh
7: no, the
4: screams, the people, the flames. And I called her name. Jenny, Jenny. Turn it
5: on, man. Turn it on. Keep that.
4: And then, then I saw her. In the flames. And she laughed at me. And started running. Running. And I followed her.
5: Jenny. Jenny. Oh, no. Like now, you're starting to dig, man. Uh
1: Jenny. He's... He's dead. You're all...
4: And this place. This place that I followed her to. This is. This.
7: Ah! Something bugging you, Clyde? Nick? Yeah. You got the message, Clyde. Ginny. Where are you, Jimmy?
4: Like, is that the chick you're trying to find over there? Where? Where? Like over there, Clyde. Way over where I'm pointing. See through the heat and the smoke? You see? Dancing all alone? Like she's making it solo? Jenny. Jenny. Jenny, I've got to get you out of here. I. Jenny, speak to me.
0: Do I know you, Mr.?
4: Jenny. Jenny, stop dancing like that, I insist. You're my wife, and I'll not have you making those vulgar gyrations.
1: I never
5: saw you before, mister. That
4: dance. That indecent, obscene, lonely dance.
5: Stop it! I can't, mister. Please,
1: go away.
7: You better stop bugging this chick, Clyde. This chick ain't having nothing
4: but the big beak. I can't believe it. That's the way it is,
8: Clyde. That's the way it is.
4: I see. And this... This is what it all comes down to, eh? A sweltering discotheque. And a dance that never ends. That's the way it is, Clyde. Like old Nick. it never runs out of records. It never ends. Not for all eternity. The beat keeps going... And the body is continued to move, writhing, grasping, and all the time desiring. But there's no contact. That's that's the punishment, isn't it? No human contact. Like uh, if you never made it back there, Clyde, you don't expect to make it here. Well, I'm getting out. Oh, you want to split, Clyde? So split. You'll be back sooner or later. No, never. I'm getting out of here. and I'm never coming back. Ginny, take my hand. Uh-uh, Clyde. Like the chick's day. I'm taking her with me. Like the chick's stay. Get out of my way. I've got my hands on you now, Ginny. You're mine. Stop! <laughs> ah! My hands. My arms. Oh, I'm burning. I'm
6: burning. Like the chick's stay. Oh... No, I won't release
4: her. She's mine. She's mine.
6: (laughs) Burning. Burning. Like the chick's day.
1: Burning. 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 Burning.
3: Oh, he's in pain, Doctor. My poor darling son is in pain.
7: Mrs. Wilson, please. We're doing all we can to make him comfortable. He's delirious. The poor poor man thinks he's in hell or something. He's
8: still feeling
7: the flames from the crash. Well, the important thing is that we've pulled him through.
9: He'll live. Live? But what kind of a life will it be, so
1: terribly scarred and Uh, burned?
9: Oh, if only he didn't try to go back for her. Mrs. Wilson, she was his wife. She was a hussy, a no-good hussy who obsessed my darling boy. Well, she got what was coming to her. Was there any chance of saving her?
7: No. She died instantly.
9: There... There, my darling. Money. You still have your mother. I'll always look after you.
7: No, I, I think we'd better leave him. I'll let you know the minute he regains consciousness. Oh, Miss Barrows. Money. He's still delirious, Money. but there should be no further trouble through the night. Money. I want you to stay close to him.
5: Yes, sir. Money.
7: This way, Mrs. Wilson.
10: Money.
1: Money. Money.
5: Cool it, Tiger. Hey. Listen to Nursie and cool it.
1: Y- you, Go
11: away. Go away.
5: Oh, no, you ain't never going to shake me, swinger. Uh. So you better cool it while you still can. Because someday you're going to make that discotheque scene again. Uh. And old Nick, he's got lots of records all lined up for you. You dig.
4: Theater Five has presented Disco Tech. Written by Romeo Muller, produced and directed by Warren Somerville. In the cast, George Petrie, Evelyn Juster, Larry Haynes, Constance Parker, Ethel Remy, and Jeff David. Audio engineer Marty Folia. Sound technician Ed Blaney. Script editor Jack C. Wilson. Original music by Alexander Vlastotsenko. Orchestra under the direction of Glenn Osser. Executive producer for Theater 5, Ted Bell. We invite your comments. Right to Theater 5, New York 23, New York. That's Theater 5, New York 23, New York. This is Fred Foy speaking.
12: The time is 9 p.m.
13: Now the late news from the WHN newsroom. The advisory council for Radio Bradley, the Bradley University FM station has been recommending that President Martin Abeg reactivate the station, move it to a new location, and find operating funds for the second semester. Two more endorsements for the upcoming 1972 state elections. The Lake County Central Democratic Committee has endorsed Governor uh, Paul Simon, Lieutenant Governor, for the Democratic gubernatorial nomination. And the committee also picked State Representative Daniel Pierce of Highland Park for the Lieutenant Governor's berth on that ticket aid is finally law, as you know, but it has yet to meet the final test of legality. Governor Ogilvy signed the aid bill into law on Thursday. There will be a court test. Mr. Ogilvy, in signing the bill, said it would provide relief to taxpayers, who he said are forced to bear the full burden of educating youngsters forced into public schools by the closing of private and parochial schools. Actually, the ink was hardly dry on the bill before Lawrence Klinger of Chicago filed suit to get State Auditor Michael Howlett to start issuing parochiate checks. Mr. Howlett is a supporter of aid, but is holding up the funds in order to force a court test of the constitutionality of the new parochiate program. Governor Ogilvy also says he plans to trim $76 million from the state's welfare budget, which will go into effect next uh, Monday, because no one has come up with a better alternative. Thomas M. Murphy, the founder and president of the independent postal system, which was uh, put into effect this past week in uh, Peoria area, has announced that the firm will issue its first postage stamp on the 15th of November. It's to be used on second, third, and fourth class mail. These stamps range in price from one cent to 50 cents. Uh, Five-cent holiday stamps will be issued for use on Christmas cards, but those cards probably will not be uh, delivered by the independent postal system this year because they just don't have the equipment at present time here in the Peoria area. However, the company does plan to provide that service of delivering Christmas cards next Christmas.
1: Uh... Uh, this uh,
13: this story just handed me. A wide portion of the northern part of the city has been struck by a complete power blackout. Power company officials say they have been unable to trace the source of the failure, but crews are working to rectify the difficulty. Uh, thank you. In uh, what seems to be a related development, some 20 persons have been admitted to doctors' hospitals, suffering from what doctors say is apparently a respiratory disorder of, of uh, undetermined origin. All those admitted are Northside residents. We'll keep you informed, of course, from the W.U.H.N. newsroom on this uh, power blackout in the northern portion of the city. Whatever news we have, we'll pass along to you very quickly. We now return to Kaleidoscope. (laughs) Kaleidoscope. newsroom. Uh, Further developments on the uh, power blackout in the northern portion of the city uh, are coming in now, and we're going to turn to newsman Robert Johns for this report from Doctors' Hospital.
12: Doctors' Hospital is within the area affected by the widespread power blackout in Peoria tonight. Power is being supplied by an emergency generating system. Hospital officials here declined to comment at this time on the nature of the disorder affecting at least 20 persons admitted for treatment within the past hour. Speaking off the record, one doctor told me that all of those admitted were unconscious and had encountered difficulty in breathing. There is speculation that the infection may be bacterial in origin or possibly the result of food poisoning. A driver for the Pace Ambulance Company told me that he had responded to emergency calls from several households and one restaurant within the power blackout area. At this time, there is little.
1: it's difficult
3: at this time to say exactly whats
12: might be
13: Robert Johns with the latest report we have on the uh, blackout north of the city and in the northern portion of the city too, A spokesman for the Peoria Electric Company says nearly all of the city is now without any electric service whatsoever. Uh, Milton Kramer says transformers at a power substation near the waterworks shorted out in a violent, fiery explosion about 40 minutes ago. City police report power lines fell on two automobiles in the 100 block of War Memorial Drive, and at least two persons were reportedly uh, electrocuted. Motorists are urged to avoid War Memorial Drive in the area there at the uh, foot of McCluggage Bridge. That's the latest we have on the situation. We'll keep you informed, of course. Stay tuned to this station. Uh, We return to music now on Kaleidoscope. newsroom now um, the reports are beginning to come in on this power failure in the area uh, we've been trying to um, uh, to locate newsman Warren LaSalle is yes uh, he's ready now uh, he's in a mobile unit uh, near the disaster area uh, Warren will you come in please
14: A mother and her four children were apparently burned to death when power lines fell onto the car in which they were riding. The bodies of two other persons remain in the other vehicle, also struck by falling power lines. A fire department rescue unit is at the scene now. The flames have been put out, but the bodies have yet to be removed from the scene. An eyewitness told me she heard a loud humming sound and saw a bright streak across the sky just an instant before the substation here apparently exploded and the power lines adjacent to it fell onto the roadway many of those lining the street appear to be dazed and several people told me they found it difficult to breathe
13: thank you warren the of two other major hospitals report that an increasing number of persons have been admitted for observation suffering from the effects of an unknown respiratory disorder Hospital officials, uh, we were in contact with them just just a moment ago, uh, say they are unable to cope with this situation. It has reached emergency proportions. The county coroner's office reports that the bodies of several youngsters clad in Halloween costumes have been discovered in in, uh, residential areas around the city. Um, The coroner says there were uh, no indications of violence or foul play. Power company uh, spokesman Milton Kramer says that all generators at the generating station on the river have ceased to function and that the blackout now covers the entire city. Kramer says personnel at the plant say they heard a loud humming sound as the buildings began to vibrate. I should repeat that, that there is uh, apparently no uh, power in the city. Uh, Police say they're receiving a lot of calls uh, about a bright, some sort of a bright light, uh, blue or green, uh, they're not quite sure, uh, moving slowly to the northwest in the city uh, over Peoria. Now that's all we have at the moment, there is a power blackout, uh, we caution everyone to uh, remain calm and, uh, you know, use the most caution you possibly can. And we'll get back to you with further developments from the WHN Newsroom. And in the meantime, uh, we'll go back to Kaleidoscope. <laughs> forced to close uh, the airport to so air traffic because of the disruption in communications caused by this uh, this massive power failure. Uh, we have another report now. We have another report now uh, from newsman Robert John at the uh, doctor's hospital. Uh,
12: since my last report from this location, I secluded myself within the administrative offices on the third floor. I'm now behind a plate of glass and trying to make sense of what I'm about to report to you. According to Insane, I've talked with in the past few minutes, several of those persons admitted to the hospital tonight have savagely attacked two doctors and several other emergency room personnel. In an attempt to control the enraged patients, hospital staff members have completely closed off all corridors, leading to and from the area, which is now concentrated, with people no longer down with the disease, but rampaging through the halls of this medical institution. According to a hospital spokesman, the area that I'm reporting from is completely secure. There's no remote chance of an invasion by the the animals who have commandeered the upper floors of the building. They've apparently lost all control of their bodily functions, and and they've resorted to the simplest methods of protecting themselves from things they, they no longer seem to understand. One patient appeared to be dying from suffocation. He was immediately scheduled for a tracheotomy, and the doctor was at the point of incision when the man, who supposedly was under sedation, came alive with the, the power and the fury of an enraged, an enraged ape. He wrenched the doctor's scalpel from the surgeon's hand, sliced his throat from front to rear. Other personnel in the room fled through doors and into the awaiting horde of the living dead. I, I find it hard to keep my, my thoughts organized, and that's what I'm trying to do. I, I just can't believe such a horrid thing could happen in the same building. All flights above this level have been completely barricaded and reinforced with tables, cabinets, chairs, machines. All equipment that is movable has been removed and set up in an effort to stop any living thing that might possibly break through the primary barrier. People are rushing about in a frenzied determination to stop whatever might be on the other side of that wall. There's there's absolute bedlam here now. They've smashed the plate glass and... oh, I, I, I've never seen anything like it. They, they, they don't even look human. Oh, my
13: Well, uh, uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, we, uh, we seem to run into some sort of difficulty uh, in that uh, remote connection with uh, newsman Robert Johns at Doctor's Hospital. Uh, while um, our engineer tries to reestablish contact, which he will do just as quickly as possible, uh, we have this report uh, from uh, another reporter in town uh, that the mayor has left his home to go to his office in City Hall. Um, Nim Lorgan. Nim Lorgan files this live report
1: statement momentarily
15: regarding the now well-known state of emergency. I've received reports that the mayor has been in contact with the governor, but no one seems to know what's going on, absolutely. But it's been rumored that the mayor will declare an official state of emergency within the hour. It's also rumored that he will ask for assistance from the National Guard. But until his speech is made available to the news media, all of this remains highly speculative. The mayor has just come down the marble staircase here at City Hall from his fifth-floor office. He's now approaching reporters. Along with the mayor are several other aldermen and other city officials. The mayor reportedly intends to confer with
13: other government officials before making a statement. Thank you, ma'am. Um, while, um, while we were waiting for uh, the mayor's statement, um, uh, he will be along in a moment, I understand. Uh, let's take this report now from uh, Radner Clinic. Uh, Carl LaFong report. I have Dr. Dietrich
3: with me. Uh, doctor, has any progress been made in finding a cure? Well, we've succeeded in isolating the bacteria, and since that time we've been trying to find something to destroy or even arrest the bacterial processes. But unfortunately, we have been unable to even stop this meiosis or reproductive process. It seems that these organisms, after destroying the grand cells, lodge themselves in the bone marrow, where each cell divides. This process continues quite rapidly, and each cell can reproduce an equal in approximately 90 seconds. Of course, the body manufactures red blood cells in the bone marrow. Since the bacteria destroys the marrow, the body cannot produce... These oxygen carrying cells. Now, w- without the cells uh, to carry oxygen to, to the body, unconsciousness results shortly after infection, and with it, the brain damage follows. Uh, then, doctor, oxygen can't effective. affected. No, no, the oxygen can get into the lungs, but it's ex- exhaled because there uh, are no red blood cells to pass the oxygen along. We haven't been able to explain this things. We're back at City Hall
15: for the long awaited
11: statement from the mayor.
12: Ladies and gentlemen,
14: Citizens of uh, the area, ladies and gentlemen of the press, have uh, been in conference with city officials and governor's office.
11: I won't try to cover things up or give false hopes. We're confronted with a situation totally beyond our immediate control. However, officials at uh, doctor's hospital have assured me that everything possible is being done to find a cure for the uh, the disease that is sweeping our city. I must emphasize that uh, panic will only make things worse. I'm therefore enacting uh, martial law throughout the city, and I'm ordering everyone to remain uh, behind locked doors in their homes. The uh, police commissioner has given his uh, his men the orders to uh, shoot to kill. This is, of course, necessary to ensure control. Now, if you're not at home, you must either uh, go home or uh, locate your nearest civil defense shelter. We're doing everything uh, possible to uh, combat this dilemma. Please stay at home, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. What
12: response did he have from
11: the governor's office, sir? Well, it seems as though our uh, governor thought it more important to spend the weekend fishing in Wisconsin rather than Sitting in his dingy office down in uh, Springfield, controlling the official business of the state of Illinois,
13: and that was the mayor's report on this um, what has now grown to an emergency situation. Uh, We um, we're here in the WUHN newsroom. Uh, We have an unconfirmed report of a light plane flying in the VFR mode. Uh, um, That is to say, the pilot was flying into the Peoria Airport pattern by eyesight only, uh, because the radio communications at the uh, tower are completely without power. And it seems as though the pilot tried to radio the tower uh, to report a shortage of fuel. Um, um, Because the uh, tower is without electrical power, they're unable to receive the pilot's uh, uh, plea for some help. Uh, The pilot attempted a landing by eyesight, I'm told, and apparently missed a common highway for the landing strip. The uh, claim was reportedly a multiple engine craft. uh, three persons on board. Uh, We do not know who they are or were. Uh, The only plane in the area, according to the aviation officials, was a dual-engine craft, uh, chartered. uh, To uh, sum up, the uh, entire city of Peoria is without power at this time. The mayor has uh, uh, now declared the city under martial law and instructed residents to seek a place of safety, either in in their own homes or one of the civil defense shelters. Uh, We've been unable to reestablish contact with newsman Warren LaSalle. Um, we were speaking with him just a short while ago. Uh, he reported on the explosion of a power substation near the McCluggage Bridge. Uh, newsman LaSalle has filed this tape recorded report from the scene about 20 minutes ago. Is that ready, All right, let's hear it. Hey, Fred,
1: are you rolling on this? <laughs> uh, yeah, Warren, well, uh, go ahead. Look, Fred, it's getting pretty tense here. I don't
14: think I'm going to have time to file another report, but before I'll have to get out of here. But I wanted to make sure that somebody knows what's happening. I don't understand what happened to the people who were milling around here when we found the burned bodies in the cars. It's like only it's like well, all went crazy at the same time. I first noticed people falling to the ground and gasping for breath. It looked like some of them died. I mean, they didn't move or anything. They were just lying there still. When I went back to the car to get a pack of smokes. There was an old guy, maybe 60 or 65, just killed across the hood like he was dead. I was going to move him and see if there was anything I could do to help him, but he looked dead so I left him alone. I tried to open the golf compartment to get my cigarettes out, but it was locked. I remember I left the keys in my raincoat hanging over the fence down near the bridge. And I turned around to get out of the car. The old guy who had been lying across the road was standing on his feet, breathing heavily. At first I thought maybe he was going to get sick or something, and I noticed his skin. It wasn't a flesh anymore, but that was was gray. What so really scared the hell out of me with his eyes. They were all red. I don't mean flesh I mean roaring fire engine red. But on any provocation or warning, he lunged at me, grabbed my throat. It was at least twice as strong as you'd expect anyone that right old to be. I mean, his hands around my throat were like a steel vise. He pulled my head toward his mouth and sunk his teeth into the flesh just above the right eyebrow. I want to tell you, he bit hard. So hot blood started running down my face immediately. I couldn't breathe at all. I knew I was going fast. I had to do something to be so strong Fred. You know, I, I couldn't move. Tried then to yank me away from the car and finish the job, I guess, but I... Must have lost his bounds just a little. Car doors were still open. I felt him slip back in my way. I reached up under his armpits, pulled him back toward the car. All the strength I could muster. That pulled away. i bit in My head didn't loosen a bit. And I think he must have ripped a pretty big hunk of meat off. Fell into the car seat. When he came at me again, I reached outside, grabbed the door handle, slammed it on his head as hard as I could. Edge of the door caught to the side of his face and rushed it against the door jam he didn't make a sound but collapsed on the pavement when I opened the door and he the really odd thing was when I looked at his face despite how really ripped up it was there wasn't any blood no blood at all I knew I had to get away from this area, so I ran back down toward the bridge find my coat, so I could find the keys and get out of here. Those people, most of them had been lying, looking like they were dead in the street, gotten up, and were standing in a close-knit group about 50 or 75. It looked like a pack of mad dogs, and I was afraid they might attack me at any moment. didn't want to try to get out of here on foot, so I knew I had to have those car keys from the coat around the outside of the mob and they didn't seem to be paying much attention to me. So many other people in the street, my raincoat was still in the fence where I'd left it, so I grabbed the keys out of the pocket, started running back up the hill where the car was. Still don't know where they came from, but four or five little kids, some of them wearing Halloween costumes, were running in the same direction with me. They were scared and they were screaming about being chased by a couple of these red eyed creatures. I wanted to stop and see if I could help the kids, but I know I had to get back here and tell you about this. When I was running toward the car, I saw one of them grab the little girls and tripped and fallen. What he did to that little child I don't think I can describe to you. Youngster couldn't have been more than five, maybe six years old. but that cemented creature grabbed her, he looked like a man in his forties, picked the little kid up and held her in both arms over his head and threw her to the pavement absolutely as hard as he could. Then he started kicking. I, I just can't tell you. I mean, it was so horrible. I'm back in the car now, Fred, and I'm going to leave... Oh, my God. They're all around the car. Those red-eyed shells are all around me. Jesus. Gotta get the car to gear, and I'm holding the accelerator to the floor, but they're holding the bank. Clear on the street, and I'm not
13: moving. They're all around me. Hundreds of them. They're coming on the grass. Back in the car, I don't care. It's to throw it over. Now, we're back in the newsroom. That was a recorded conversation um earlier uh, between uh, reporter warren LaSalle and an engineer here at the studios i'm sorry that the uh, two-way got in there but uh, under the circumstances we just had to rush um it's a two-way radio transmission just suddenly terminated as you heard it uh, as, a, as an angry mob attacked the news car uh, this is purely speculation you understand because we can't be there and just know what's going on um perhaps uh, the antenna was broken off uh, when the people as he said uh, swarmed over the news wagon um, as was evident in the tape, uh, Warren wasn't intending for his report to be made public, but we felt that you should hear it uh, in spite of that uh, because of the extenuating circumstances and uh, the condition of the area in general. Uh, we thought it would be better to give, uh, you know, all the information we possibly can. Um, I understand now that we have a remote report coming up uh, from veteran newscaster, Gib Phillips, uh, from his home in Philadelphia. Um, there's no, no telephone service connecting your and at this time due to the power shortage, so, uh, reporter Phillips will file this live report, uh, from a neighbor's house, uh, using two-way radio. Um uh, all right, uh, Gil, yes, you go ahead? Okay, ready, Phil, right,
1: so, uh, you can take it now. Wait, yeah, I That's okay, Phil. Go ahead. Just hold the button on
14: the mic. Are you all will cut yourself off. This is Jim Phillips in Chillicothe. Though the lights are out here and there is no telephone service, uh, everything appears to be normal. The way it sounds here, uh, Uh, you're having close to a riot or something there in Deore But uh, nothing's happening here, though. Uh, Except about an hour and a half ago, or close to that, a couple of my neighbors were outside talking about a bluish-green flash across the sky. And uh, my neighbor, Tub Wallace, whose radio I'm using to file this, just returned about ten minutes ago from Princeville, and he tells me that aside from the power and communications difficulty, everything is normal there as well. And uh, uh, some people have drunk the area through Chillicothe and I'm told of being attacked by, by crazed half-human creatures. The massive traffic movement through this little community has created one of the most... Uh, the most, uh, one of the worst traffic tie-ups imaginable. I'll, I'll stick by the mic here, and if you'll be needing any more information, uh, this is Good the... Phillips reporting from, uh, from
13: Chillicothe. That was uh, Good Phillips reporting on the situation in Chillicothe. Uh, you're listening to uh, WHN Radio, uh, trying to keep uh, contact with this uh, emergency, this power failure that has occurred in the area. Uh, Pekin police report that aside from uh, the power blackout, there's no difficulty in that city either. Uh, apparently it's localized here. Uh, we've just been in contact with Bob Fox at the police department. She reports the finding of another body at uh, Doctor's Hospital. Uh, let's uh, let's cut uh, her in now, if you will. Right, here's Bob Fox. This is Bob Fox reporting from police headquarters, where officers just finished
11: filing a report on the discovery of a mutilated body in one of the rooms of Doctor's Hospital. The man, reportedly clad only in a crucifix, was found between floors. The upper portion of his body was left on the third floor when the elevator doors closed on him. The elevator descended. The body was dismembered. According to the report, the upper portion of the man's torso was riddled with daggers and glass one half inch thick. The bleeding had completely ceased by the time the body had reached the elevator shaft. In turn, tracing the trail of blood surmised the man had been dragged from a nearby office where the glass windows had been shattered. The report continues, because the body was without clothing, no identification was possible. Police are baffled by a length of what appears to have been a microphone cable that was clenched in the dead man's fist. This is Bart Fox, reporting.
13: Ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, the panic seems to have swept our city. Uh, All of you who are listening, please be calm under the situation. Uh, What reports we have, uh, hundreds of people, uh, maybe even thousands, seem to be running wildly through the streets in a kind of crazed frenzy. Uh, We have uh, here uh, numerous reports of fires, uh, at least 300 deaths, and uh, scattered incidents of looting. Uh, Civil defense authorities have issued a statement urging everyone to stay home tonight. Uh, There's a a team of medical experts from St. Nicholas Hospital who's attempting to to isolate this bacteria which has affected the behavior of of so many of our citizens. Uh, Authorities are baffled by this uh, strange phenomenon, which they have yet have been unable to isolate its origin. Uh, several prominent positions uh, have recommended that the consumption of any foods other than uh, uh, cans uh, be ceased immediately. You know, uh, anything that is canned apparently is all right for the moment. Uh, Civil defense authorities recommend that if you're going to drink water, be certain that you boil it before you drink it. Uh, before you drink it. Uh, in any event, uh, when police or the fire department must be contacted, the telephone company and the city police have provided mobile uh, communication and van-type trucks are located throughout the city. Uh, perhaps you've seen them. I don't know. Uh, each truck is equipped with a loudspeaker system, uh, which will make you aware of its presence within your area. Uh, in the event of an emergency, do not leave your home until you hear the loudspeaker message in your area. Now, uh... I'm going to repeat it for you, see if you can remember it. Uh, This is Civil Defense Emergency Communications Mobile Unit. Uh, That's the way they'll introduce it. Uh, Then they'll they'll follow uh, a number of some sort or other, and the announcement of the intersection which the truck is near it. uh, we repeat, uh, under no circumstances, uh, should you leave your home, except in the event of fire, of course, uh, the uh, police superintendent... Uh, Andrew Alexander reminds all police officers that Louis' days off, of course, have been canceled. Uh, if you didn't hear it directly from him, you're hearing it now. Uh, this goes, uh, add in an item, apparently until this thing is cleared up I see, until we find out what it's all about. Uh, every policeman is to report to police headquarters at once. Uh, the superintendent emphasized that the situation, uh, remains under control, but Andrew is advised that all area residents who own firearms Keep them loaded, keep them uh, nearby in the event of some sort of uh, someone should try to get into your home. Uh, In a prepared statement, the police chief said, and we're able to quote this uh, Due to the extreme gravity of the situation which confronts us at this hour, I must advise all area residents to take any precaution which they feel necessary to guard against intrusion. Where health or safety is threatened, I advise all firearms owners to shoot the kill without hesitation. Uh, Police uh, Superintendent Andrew apparently uh, was referring to those individuals who are affected by the plague, which seems to have swept our area uh, when he issued the Chief uh, to Kill order. Uh, Medical authorities further advise that anyone who thinks he may have uh, contracted this uh, bacterial infection, should have another member of the household in which he resides bind him, uh, actually tie him down in such a way that his movement will be completely restricted. A uh, person living alone who feel uh, ill are advised to um, perhaps take a sedative or some such thing uh, if it's available and uh, just go to bed immediately. Uh, you know, lock the door, of course, and the windows and so forth. Uh, civil defense authorities have been granted permission uh, by the mayor and the police superintendent to uh, do whatever is necessary to restrict movement on city streets. Uh, because of the Greek traffic jam, which is now traffic at the bridge is uh, going out of the city, uh, state police have had to set up barricades to restrict uh, any sort of vehicular movement uh, from the city. Uh, uh, well, late reports indicate that the um, vast majority of those affected by the plague uh, are residents of the city. Uh, therefore, the county sheriff's department is stopping all automobiles. you uh, going in or out of the city. And from what we're able to learn here in the WHM newsroom, uh, in a dire situation such as this one, uh, more people have to be killed either they panic and fear than by whatever this, this deadly thing is. Uh, it has been brought to our attention uh, and, uh, that the students on the university campus have been, uh completely panicked uh, in the wake of uh, whatever is this disaster that's going on. Uh, the mobile radio telephone unit, uh, there is one uh, near the field house parking lot um, students are reportedly uh, dying in the hands of fellow students as uh, uh, the mobs attempt to storm this mobile unit in order to, to tell their parents about the, the crisis that we have here. Uh, the lives of fellow students, former classmates, uh, and uh, it do not seem to mean anything to, uh, to those students who are possessed with this, this one goal. Uh, the only important thing to students is making phone calls with their parents or relatives in order to get their transportation out of the city, which of course no one can come in, no one can go out. Um, uh, there have been limited reports of some uh, brutal confrontations, meetings, uh, I guess uh, I don't know. What's that? Oh. Okay, well. This is Bob Fox reporting once again from the police department, where reports
1: of that patrolmen read like the diary of the
5: Marquis
11: disguise. Murders, rapes, and alarming number of suicides—the whole town seems gripped by the seething terror of an unknown
15: foe. Eight persons were mutilated beyond recognition when a city maintenance truck overturned in the street and rolled through the glass front of a supermarket on the corner near Knoxville. Forty people were sprayed with fuel from the truck and ignited when the battery from the truck fell into a pool of high octane fuel. In another incident, a bus returning from a
11: church retreat with 38 youngsters aboard ran out of control while trying to avoid a collision with an ambulance on the Franklin Street Bridge. It plunged some 30 feet to the piling below. The bus reportedly burst into flames on impact. Coast Guard officials report only three youngsters are known to be alive. Ten are missing and the others dead.
1: Prepared to reach your later. Me. You'll die. die! You won't be ready to
13: go! You die here! Well, uh, uh... We'll try to make further contact with Barb Fox at the police department. Um, uh... I'm going to everyone to be just as calm as they possibly can. Um, I, I've been in contact uh, with numerous uh, sources of information. Um... Uh, since our last report, uh, these items have been brought to our attention. There's a hotel in the heart of downtown Peoria where uh, three residents uh, have uh, flung themselves from the windows. Uh, one woman was seen just literally rebounding, bouncing from the brick walls of the structure after breaking through the uh, windows on the 13th floor. Uh, identification of the victim is impossible uh, because the uh, body had been defiled by the uh, by the mob uh, just swarming through the streets. Um, so, we say the situation does remain under control. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is they mean. It would seem that uh, that, that isn't the case at all. Um, right now, at this time, uh, radio communications between uh, this station and our remote reporters, and I know you're anxious to hear what's going on, but I'm afraid I've been unable to uh, get through to them. It is difficult uh, to predict for how much time we'll be able to uh, bring you uh, live reports from the scene. News um, Director Wilbur Wolters informed informs me that a policeman has delivered to our studios a tape-recorded message from Dr. Donald and uh, Now, um, in this recorded message, I am told Dr. Terrans claims to have isolated the source of the bacterial infection, which has infected so many uh, of us uh, here in this area. we uh, Kevin we've been said to the time, of it and I don't know quite what to say. Uh, this recording uh, has not yet been heard by anyone on our news staff, uh, so you and I are going to be hearing it for the first time. And... If you just, just be patient, uh, we'll get it here. Uh, understand, we just received it. Uh, just, just a moment, please. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Donald
11: Turhan speaking to you from Lutheran Hospital. A, a team of prominent Peoria physicians, including myself, believe that we have discovered the source of the unusual bacterial infection. Now, I must emphasize that we've been unable to develop a cure to combat this disorder, and that we can offer only the following preventative measures. <laughs> now, first, it is imperative that the consumption of tap water be ceased immediately. This is of cardinal importance, because our medical research thinks, <laughs> gentlemen, <treatment laughs> <laughs> <from> the shadow <sun laughs> of it doubt, that these bacteria are multiplying uh, in the taxis the the of period. It is of utmost importance, uh, a importance that I reiterate, that all tap water must be ceased drinking.
13: Uh, it, it would seem that we are experiencing some sort of a technical difficulty here. Uh, we'll, we'll have it uh, rectified just as soon as we can and, uh, bring you the remainder of, uh, Dr. Turin's report. Uh, while Dr. Turns was speaking, I did manage to get into c- communication on a two-way radio here with, uh, Gibbs Phillips in Chillicothe. He told me that the situation there remains as it was before, that apparently, uh, no one in that community has been affected by the plague which has spread throughout Peoria. Uh, Phillips says that a number of persons who earlier got out of the Peoria area, uh, apparently victims of the disease, uh, however, um, sufficient manpower was available, uh, in Chillicothe to, uh, subdue those affected and to maintain some sort of order. The, uh, uh, police in Chillicothe have since set up roadblocks to prevent others from entering the town from Peoria. And as is the case there, uh, law enforcement officers have been given the uh, shoot-to-kill order, if that's necessary. Um, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Now, now, again, we're going to have Dr. Uh, uh, Donald Turhan uh, with a report uh, that we interrupted a moment ago. Uh, you'll just go right ahead. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Donald
11: Turhan speaking to you from Lutheran Hospital. A a team of prominent Peoria physicians, including myself, believe that we have discovered the source of the unusual bacterial infection. Now, I must emphasize that we've been unable to develop a cure to combat this disorder and that we can offer only the following preventative measures. Now, first, it is imperative that the consumption of tap water be ceased immediately. This is of quite importance. Because our medical research is determined from the shot of it. And it works to read almost what happened in the past. <inaudible> the sweet was a most important show of
13: that all life must be... Well, David, yeah, apparently the, uh, the tape the doctor used to record the report uh, that was sent to us, uh, it, just, it just wasn't really good. Uh, now, um, we're going to attempt to bring you Dr. Turan's report later in this broadcast, uh, word has reached me now that reporter Mim Morgan is uh, located in one of our mobile units near Peoria's Courthouse Square, where civil defense authorities have set up uh, an emergency treatment center and uh, a communication facility. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll take this report now, as Mim Morgan gives it, to us right from the scene. And at Courthouse Square in chilly There
15: are literally thousands of people jamming the square. There's a human chain composed of policemen and firemen, special sheriff's deputies, and a number of persons who've not yet fallen victims to the plague threatening the city surrounding the perimeter of the square. Children are crying and, and running through the streets in search of parents who've either deserted them or who've been trampled to death by crazed victims of the plague who are roaming the streets in packs, like wolves ready for the kill. It seems like a bad dream, a nightmare from which I know there's no, no awakening. Old men and women who were apparently overpowered by the infection lie gasping for breath in the streets and in doorways. Those who've not yet suffered from the effects of the strange bacterial infection are, for the most part, panic-stricken and are huddled for warmth in small groups within the small area which has been secured. Only a short time ago, it was like any other weekend night in Peoria. Suddenly, a bluish-green light streaked across the sky over the city and And since that time, there's been chaos and civil disorder of the greater magnitude imaginable. Speculation as to the cause of this night of terror runs rampant through the crowd here. Stories range from blaming a communist conspiracy to destroy population centers to tales of alien invasion from outer space. And who's to say what the truth might actually be? No sporadic shooting as police fire into bands of the crazed once-humans who periodically attack their own kind like savage beasts of the night. The injured lie everywhere, and medical teams are split far too thin to be of any real value. It seems as though no one is immune from this dread disease. There's an unconfirmed report that the mayor, after issuing a statement from City Hall, fell victim to it himself and brutally attacked a reporter as he attempted to leave the building. No one's able to explain why some have been affected by the disease and others not. In many instances, some members of the same family have gone raving mad, while others remain apparently normal. Symptoms of the disorder are easily recognized. First, there's dizziness and vomiting, then extreme difficulty in breathing may be encountered. Secondly, the victim then falls unconscious for a short period of time. It is then that the skin loses its color, becoming almost gray. The eyes turn a deep red, almost glowing with luminescence. But when the victim regains consciousness, he's lost complete control of his faculties and attacks anything or anyone near him, resorting to the most carnal and bestial acts imaginable. As I speak to you, I stand beside the body of a small girl, clad in, in what appears to be the blood soaked remains of a Cinderella Halloween costume. Not ten minutes ago, her body was dragged here from outside the defense perimeter by her hysterical mother, who who said the child had been attacked by a group of five or six of the bloodthirsty night creatures Who savagely beat and kicked the youngster before tearing her with their bared teeth. I don't know how much longer I can take this spectacle. Has the whole world gone mad? The, the cloud-shrouded starless night sky is crimson in the distance, and smoke lingers like a pall over the city, has, and has numerous fires rage out of control away from the heart of the city. Fire units stand ready here to guard against the possible spread of flames into this area. In the sky to the southwest, there lingers a faint bluish-green glow from within the clouds. The light which hovered for a time near the waterworks streaked across the sky to its present location and has remained there for the past 40 minutes with no appreciable movement or any change in its intensity. Police attempted to get near the area where the strange girl remains, but fire's raced completely out of control near the site, and they haven't yet been unable to get close enough to attempt investigation. Near the center of the square, there is... Wait! The blue-green white is running wider, it appears to be moving closer. Yes, well, it is. It looks almost like a huge flare dropping from the sky. And there's stones some from increasingly. Like a small capsule of some sort. There are literally hundreds of them falling, like rain, all about me. They're, they're breaking as they hit, and, and there's a milky white liquid splattering on the pavement as they break.
13: happening in downtown Peoria, uh, an eyewitness account, uh, Nim Morgan, there at Courthouse Square, this, this is incredible. Um, I don't believe there's any precedent for reporting on an event such as this. All our remote units are silent. I really can't get through anywhere. It appears we will be unable to bring you any further direct reports. Uh, our engineer is working on it, but they say that it's just encountering a lot of difficulty in receiving any signal tonight. Uh, as a matter of fact, you may be having difficulty, really, in, uh, in receiving us. Uh, several Peoria stations, we understand, are now off the air. Uh, those with studios in the downtown area have just ceased to broadcast. Apparently, um, uh, equipment breakdown, power failures. Of course, we've we had this dark situation in the uh, area for a long time. Um, absolute bedlam uh, rain in, uh, in a Midwestern city where... Uh, friends have become the bitterest of enemies in the wake of this insane confusion that, uh, has been brought on by, I guess, alien invaders uh, from our studios. Now, understand, we're outside the city. It's difficult to assess the situation at this time. Our reporting facilities are broken down. There's no way of knowing. Uh, officials at a downtown hospital have earlier confirmed that a, a badly mutilated body received there about half an hour ago is that of reporter Warren LaSalle. Uh, LaSalle lost his life when attacked by an angry mob while reporting from near the McCluggage Bridge. A of a, of a, of a team, rather, of, of investigators uh, has discovered a, a lot of capsules. Um, I might add at this point that the uh, capsules found resemble those described just a short while ago by Mim Morgan. You, uh, you heard Mim's report. Now, um in her, you know, from the courthouse. Many of the capsules had, uh, had either badly deteriorated or had broken, and uh, they had a kind of a milky fluid in them. They were scattered widely all around the area, uh, especially along the riverfront and out near the waterworks. Um, capsules were spooned about in a path resembling the path made by the bright lights, which uh, was reported earlier by one of our reporters. Uh, preliminary medical reports indicate that the substance contained in the capsules... It's similar to bacteria found in the corpses of these disease victims. Uh, the telephone communications have been disrupted throughout the area. And from our studios, we can see uh, that the light it is over the city, I... Now, well, I really don't know how, how well you're receiving it. The time will just going, you know. Um, the flames uh, over, the, over, over the town, the air, is really dense with smoke, and it's all happened so suddenly. Uh, by the time uh, word reaches uh, other major population centers in the state, we may be gone. Uh, none of the wire services have carried news of what's happened here, yet it's almost as if we've been shut off from contact, um, you know, by the from the outside. So, some, something or someone uh, way beyond our comprehension. I can't, I don't know what that happened. I, mean, I really don't. I did, why, why did they pick out, why did they pick out our city, uh, And why tonight? Seemingly, uh, have we been the only metropolitan area affected by the invasion and the subsequent plague? We don't have any contact news with anyone else. We really don't know. Uh, Is Peoria going to be used as a sort of breeding ground for some strange bacteria, which drives men mad and later forces them to uh, submission before some alien intelligence? So what... Puzzles me most is why some have been infected immediately by the plague, and others, uh, others, not at all—at least for the time being. I don't know if anybody can hear me or not, Jack. Jack, oh, can you give me—I'm a little dry. Would you would you get me some water? Thank you. Of course, we're going to remain on the air, uh, bringing you information about the crisis throughout the night. Uh, we are hopeful that police and civil defense officials will keep us informed too. I don't know whether. Oh, thank
1: you.
13: Yeah, that's there. Now, uh, well, well, what I'm saying is that uh, we're going to stay with it just as long as we possibly can. Uh, there's no one here other than than my engineer and me. Um, they've all everyone else has uh, left by automobile, uh, trying to get toward Bloomington, I guess to get some sort of assistance, you see, for, for the folks, and to contact the governor's office in Springfield with the hope that National Guard units could be activated, brought into the area. Um, uh, recapping here, these, um, events, uh, was, uh, it was, uh, about an hour ago that, a uh, bright bluish-green light was seen first, uh, over the city, um, uh, uh, near, uh, Come back in here right away. Yeah, what's the trouble? Uh, where did you... Hey, you look sick.
14: You want me to go get help or something?
13: Where, uh. Where did you get this water? Is it, uh,
14: from the cooler in the hall? No, the bottle's
11: empty. I drank from it from the cooler about 20 minutes ago. So I got yours from the tap in the restroom. I thought it was all right. No. You'll just see that. Hey, are you going to be all right? I've got to get a policeman or something. Mm.
13: That's why some people got the disease and others have it. They sent that bacteria in the water supply. It's getting like crazy. Only those who have this... <laughs> Only those who have uh, had water in the past hour or so. Jack? I've been so busy with kids back here and the two-way and all. I, I never thought
11: that something might be wrong. I... Oh,
9: no, it's... Uh,
13: but, uh, you, you, you've got to get me out of here right away. Now, our, uh, I, uh, Heck, you know what happened to the others. Get me out of the building, lock the doors, no matter
1: what now.
13: And then don't let me back in. But I couldn't do that. You, you and I have known each other for five, six, seven years. I couldn't do that. No. I mean, so much interference. I doubt anyone here. Anyway, but, uh...
11: is beyond our control. We're now forced to leave the air.
13: just heard was a dramatization. Any resemblance between characters in our story and persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is WUHN-FM in Peoria, Illinois.
6: Radio 1. Massachusetts. Come in, Dunnage. Good evening. This is Henry Armitage. I'm speaking to you... Uh, Dr. Rice, please close the window. I'm speaking to you from my laboratory on the slopes of Sentinel Hill near Dunnage, Massachusetts. Present with me is Dr. Warren Rice, my distinguished colleague from Miskatonic University. Uh, We are now about a hundred yards from the summit of the hill, which is crowned by a huge table-like stone set in the center of a circle of stone pillars, a place of prehistoric worship. A moment ago, you may have heard the dogs of Tunnage Township barking, as we have heard them for three days and three nights. Dr. Rice and I know the horror which they're barking for ten, But the purpose of this broadcast is to make this unbelievable horror believable to you. I hope for your sakes and ours, we are successful tonight. It is the eve of All Hallows. Tomorrow will be too late. Our time tonight is very short, so so I'll speak only of those more recent events which, believe me, may culminate at any moment in a climax too frightful to wholly contemplate. I will begin with the birth of Wilbur Waitley. It was the night of February the 2nd, 1921. Candlemas. Toward dawn, when Lavinia Waitley, a deformed albino woman about 35 years old, gave birth to her dark, goatish-looking son... in the crumbling Waitley farmhouse northeast of the village. No one attended her. No doctor or midwife. No one was with her. Except her aged, half-insane father... who was known as Wizard Waitley. So Wilbur came into this world under heaven knows... what incantations, what appeals to what power. A week later, Wizard Waitley drove his sleigh into Dunedge Village and reported the event to a group of loungers in Osborne's general
1: store. Hey, your grandson got yellow hair like Lavinie,
6: Wizard? No, takes after his father more. He's dark, dark. You never spoke of who his father might be now, did you? Oh, you know his father when the time comes. Oh, Lavinie's read and seen some things the most of you only talk about. Uh, calculate her husband's as good as you can find this side of Aylesbury. Well, we don't be nosy, Wizard. Uh, maybe it warn't a no church that none of you heerd of. But you wouldn't ask no better church wedding than Lavinia's. Why well, didn't he tell no wedding, Wizard? Hmm. Well, when was that? Well, not a wedding you'd hear of, Corey. Not a husband you'd hear of, neither. But let me tell you something. Someday you folks will hear a child of Lavinia's calling its father's name. On top of Sentinel Hill. A prophecy? Or idle boasting by an insane old man? Now, I know I ask a great deal when I ask you to believe that the arrival of an infant into that house of dire poverty and squalor could possibly constitute a horror and a threat to all our known world. Yet it has an earthly history. Perhaps through this history, you will be able to give it credence. Wilbur Waitley's growth was uncanny. But even if he had been an average child, he would have become, in time, an unnatural being, for he was surrounded from the first by the most malign influences. There was his grandfather, old Waitley, wizard Waitley, who each Halloween climbed Sentinel Hill to the great circle of stone, and while the hills
13: shook, stood holding a great book open on his arms and shrieked into the
1: wind. Shrieked! Yag
6: sothoth Sothor. That dreadful name first mentioned in the hideous forbidden book, the Necronomicon. And this wizard, Waitley, was Wilbur's teacher. The villagers began to notice curious things that were going on at the Waitley farmhouse. Soon after Wilbur was born, old Waitley began to remodel the house. The abandoned upper story was restored and all the windows were tightly boarded up. And then wizards began to buy cattle in large numbers, both horses and cows. Yet the livestock on the farm didn't seem to increase. Young Lem Brown was one day curious enough to creep close to the house to count the weightly herd. Dr. Armitage, there weren't more than twelve cows, and them six. Looked like they had the blight and funny wounds on them, like cuts. I heard something, too, in the top part of wizard's house. Something like water slapping inside. Only big, big
1: like a sea.
6: One other person went to the Waitley farm in the years before I met Wilbur. Dr. Ken Houghton of Aylesbury, who was called by Wilbur himself, who said that his grandfather was dying... Doctor Houghton found the old man in the bedroom on the ground floor, and Wilbur with him. While outside the window, a legion of Whippoorwill cried loudly, and rhythmically, endlessly. Wilbur spoke about the sound. Listen, whistling time with his breathing now. They're ready. Listen, doctor. They know his soul's going out. They're waiting. (laughs) Yes, Wilbur, that's an interesting superstition. Late in the air for them, too. When he goes, if they catch him, they'll keep laughing till break of day. If they don't catch him, they'll quiet down. You mean you believe that... In just a minute... I think he's conscious. Yes, the birds change when he really changed. Like uh, I Willie, say. Uh, Willie, Willie, I'm here. More space, Willie. Remember, more space soon. Yes, I'll build it. You grows,
14: but that grows faster. It'll be ready to serve you soon, Willie. I know. But remember, when it's time you open up the gates to Yogg-Sartor... With a long chant, the one on page seven and fifty-one of the book. But mind you, read it
1: enough, because if it gets out before you opens to young Suttas, it's all over. It's no you.
6: He's going now.
1: He's dead with Western.
6: The birds, they didn't catch him. Yes, he's free. He's gone. (laughs) It was the winter following Wizard Waitley's death that I first met Wilbur. He came in person to the library at Miskatonic University to consult a copy of the hideous Necronomicon, which was kept there in its Latin version, as printed in Spain in the 17th century. I tell you, when he came into my office, I was appalled at his appearance. Eight feet tall, shabby, dirty, bearded. But I was even more appalled by his voice when he spoke to me. I wrote you a letter a month past, Doctor. I wanted a loan of the book. Well, that's a book that's never loaned from this library. I doubt if it is from any library. Well, I have to see it then. Very well, it's kept it's right here. As you know, there, there are only three copies of this book in existence. That's why we're careful. Here, you can look at it on this table. Wizard said it would be on page seven five one. What? What is it you're looking for? The formula, the long chant, the one that opens the gate to Yog Sothoth. I felt a wave of fright as tangible as a draught from the tomb. It seemed somehow like like the spawn of another dimension, like something only partly of mankind, linked to black gulfs beyond all spheres of force and matter, space and time. And presently he raised his head and spoke again. It's here, all right, but I'll have to have a copy. Oh, that paragraph there? Oh, I don't know. I do know, you know that, doctor. Yes, certainly. Then read it, Doctor. Let's hear how you make it out. All right, that shouldn't be difficult. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Nor is it to be thought um, that man is the oldest or the last of Earth's masters. The old ones were and the old ones shall be. Not in the, the, the spaces that we know, but, but between them, but only Yag Sathoth knows the gate. Yag Sathoth is the gate to, to, to where the old ones broke through of old. Their hands are at your throat, yet ye see them not. Dr. Armitage, you see, I reckon I've got to take that book home. There's things in it I've got to try, and you can't hold me up. No, I'm sorry. I tell you, doctor, I'll have the book sooner or later, no matter what. You see, it that's waiting for me at home won't wait much longer. a week later that I was awakened suddenly by the fierce yelping of the great watchdog on the campus, followed by a sound from a wholly different throat, a scream. And I knew instantly that Wilbur had come back for the Necronomicon. I hastened into my clothes and rushed across to the library where a crowd had gathered before the smashed window of my office. Inside, there was a fearful groaning and growling, and some instinct warned me. But what was taking place there was not for for unfortified eyes to see. I brushed back the crowd, motioning only to Professor Rice to come in with me. When we opened the study door, Professor Rice screamed. No, Doctor Robinson, no, I come. Come, come, close the door. We can't let them see. He's alive, but Lord,
1: what a job that dog's
6: done. want him to bed. a horrible sound that morning, you. Suppose we ought to call a doctor. A doctor? A doctor for that? No doctor in the world would know what to do for that. Look, Armitage, it's not human, nor animal. Where did it come from? Can you tell me? Can you tell me what it is? No, I couldn't tell what Wilbur Waitley was. The thing that... Lay half bent on its side in a pool of greenish yellow thickness was nine feet tall. And the dogs had torn off all the clothing and some of the skin. It was partly human beyond a doubt, with very manlike hands and head, but but the torso and lower parts of the body were patched. The chest had the leathery hide of a crocodile or alligator below the waistline, the skin was covered with coarse black fur, and from the abdomen, long greenish-gray tentacles, of the limbs terminated in, in ridgy-veined pads that were neither hooves nor claws, and as Dr. Rice and I stood staring at this, this presence, the the whippoorwills began to cry in unison outside the study window. And then the thing on the floor roused and mumbled. The odds got off. The odds got off. I'm going to begin stepping in.
1: Listen. The whippoorwills. Listen. dead now. Look, 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 what's happening? He's, he's
6: disintegrating. Of oh. Fast, ah, too. Heading away. He isn't made of, of matter as we know it on Earth. And I guess he took after his father so there'll be nothing left. His father? What was his father? Mm, I daren't think. I thought then that what came into our world with Wilbur Waitley left with him. I forgot what he himself had told me, of it, which was waiting in the steel house Wizard Waitley had built, where the cattle were driven to disappear. But Wilbur Wakely left a diary, written in a strange alphabet resembling Sanskrit. And I worked off and on for weeks to decipher it. And finally, I read the following passage, written by Wilbur when he was no more than eight years old. That upstairs is more ahead of me than I had thought it would be. It is not like to have much earth brain." I can see it a little when I make the sign or blow the powder of Evangatze at it, and it is like them I see Halloween on the hill. I wonder how I shall look when the earth is cleared and there are no earth beings. Maybe like that upstairs looks which has no body, even fed with all the blood. Toward morning, in a cold sweat of terror, I called Dr. Rice to my house and told him, we have to destroy what's in that farmhouse. Why can't we just leave the thing locked up there? The the house is boarded tight. Yes, but you think boards will hold it? Don't you realize, man, it hasn't been fed? It hasn't had blood since the 18th of September, when Wilbur Waitley came here to die. left for Dunnage that night. And we've been here on Sentinel Hill ever since, working desperately to discover the formula in time. But a week ago tonight, shortly after dawn... Yeah, hello?
15: Dr. Armitage, this is Lem Brown. I I was just up beyond the glen, doctor, looking
6: for cows I lost last night. Yes, Lem? Well, doctor, something's in there. Smells like thunder. And there's prints in the road, great round prints, big as barrel heads, like a uh, elephant has been along. Any anything else, them? That's all I see, uh, except bushes and trees pushed back from the road, like like a house was dragged along. Oh, did you hear anything? Yes, long toward morning, I heard a sound over toward Waitley's place, a kind of ripping or tearing of wood, like a big box was being opened up. Chancy, you heard it too. Lem, who who lives nearest the Waitley farm? Well, he, uh, that'd be Elmer Price, place. Well, oh, he's on this line, too, isn't he? Hang on, and I'll ring him. Yes, Dr. Armitage, this is Central. I'm trying to get Elmer Fry, Central. Doctor, he must be out somewhere and his whole family. I was ringing there an hour ago. Earl Sawyer saw Elmer's cow stampede at Cold Spring Glen. Oh, you didn't get him. Hmm? All right. But if you hear or see anything more, let me know. I'll be here working all day. Rise. Right. Rise. Right. Oh, wake up. It's, it's loose. It's out of the house. One family gone already. We have to work. Pray God we find that formula in time. <laughs> since it broke loose, a week of terror and panic here in Dunwich Township. Each night it moves about the countryside, leaving the trees crushed in a 30-foot swathe as though by a moving mountain, leaving its monstrous tracks and a trail of tarry stickiness, leaving crushed and gutted farmhouses and whole herds of cattle drained of blood. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the story to this moment. And tonight is Halloween. Tonight we are here to... Just one moment, please. Uh, Dr. Rice, Do you hear something? No, with the window closed, no? Well, we'll throw it open. I thought so. Listen. The sound from a thousand bending trees. The sound like the sea moving across a forest. Yes... Yes, it's coming here, of course. All Hallows, it comes to Sentinel Hill. Uh, Dr. Rice, I'll try the formula and the powder from the altar stone. I I want you to stay here at the microphone and report what you see. Very well, Dr. Ramatich. Oh, wait a minute before I go. To any scientists who may be listening to me, if I fail, there is a possible alternative formula in Falconer's Mystical Formulae of the Middle Ages on page 24. Yes, well, there are the whippoorwills. I better get out there. Take over, Dr. Wright. Yes. I'll do as well as I can, Armitage. Good luck. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Armitage is climbing to the top of the hill, to the altar stone. I can see him plainly, for the moon is high and the night clear. Down the hill toward the dark village, I can see the grasses and shrubbery bending down, marking the monster's ascent. It moves quite fast, and I feel the proximity to phases
4: of being utterly forbidden. Now, Dr.
6: Armitage stands now on the altar stone and is holding the powder, which, if the books are correct, will make this thing for an instant visible. It is quite close to him now, perhaps 20 yards or less. He lifts his hands, he brings the powder in a wide arc. I can see. Oh! No, no, Dr. Rice, come in, Dunnage. ladies and gentlemen. This is your suspense announcer, due to conditions, oh just a moment, please. <laughs> One moment, please. Dr. Rice, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yes, for a moment I was overcome when I saw. Ladies and gentlemen, perhaps you can hear now the incantation of Dr. Armitage. Listen. Listen. <laughs> The quibble wills mean death. And Dr. Armitage is walking back here now. So we know that whatever it was, it is gone. It is dead. So we can be thankful indeed. You see, I saw Dr. Armitage. Yes, did you? Did you see it, Dr. Wright? I saw it, Lord, yes. What did it it look like to you? It looked here like something made of squirming ropes, but bigger than a barn and shaped well like an egg and dozens of legs like barrels that half closed when it stepped and nothing solid about it and at least 15 or 20 mouths or trunks opening and closing. But what was it? Oh, kind of, kind of force. a kind of force that doesn't belong in our part of space. Did you, did you notice the half-face on top? Half-face. Like a human thing. It is very large, but yes, quite quite human. And quite like Wilbur's, like all the Wakely's. But it was, it was... That's right, it was Wilbur's twin brother. And you saw what three weeks' growth had done. And it was the child of Lavinia's who called its father's name on Sentinel Hill, as Wizard Wakely prophesied. You heard it calling, yogg Soto. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this night is over. It is All Saints Day. May heaven bless us all.
4: The Dunnage Horror, with Ronald Coleman as your star of... The <laughs>
6: This is the Armed Forces Radio Service.
8: Good evening, dear listeners. I am Barnabas Collins. I hope you will forgive the intrusion, and I hope that you have been enjoying Broken Sea
4: Audio Productions' OTR Swagcast. Please allow me to introduce the next haunting episode of Dark Shadows.
9: There is terror in this night. One boy will live through an experience so terrifying that his mind will reel, and for an instant, his heart will start beating.
16: you? Yes. It flew right at me. It tried to kill me.
7: David, there is no bat in this room.
9: That's right, darling. Look around. There's nothing
1: here. It it was
16: here. It must have flown away.
7: Now be sensible, David. How could a bat get into this room?
16: It flew in through the window.
7: Through that window? Yes.
16: The window blew open, and I saw the bat out there watching me, and then it flew in.
7: Look at this window, David. No. It's closed. And it's bolted.
16: It was open. I saw the bat fly in here.
7: Now, David.
16: You don't believe me, do you?
7: I'm trying to believe everything you tell me, son.
16: But you don't. Do you believe me, Aunt Elizabeth?
9: Darling, I know you were genuinely frightened by something, but...
16: Oh, you don't believe me either. David. Nobody believes me. There was a bat in here. There was. I'm not lying. I'm not.
7: We're not accusing you, David. Of
9: course we're not. (laughs) Leave me alone. Go away. You better call Dr. Woodard right away and ask him to come up here.
7: I think it's a good idea.
9: Why
16: are you calling a doctor? I'm not sick.
9: No, but he'll give you something to calm you down.
16: Aunt Elizabeth, I'm not lying. Why can't you believe that?
9: I'm not accusing you of lying, David.
16: But you don't believe me, do you?
9: I believe that you were right- frightened by something you saw, but it was only your imagination. It
16: wasn't my imagination. The bat was here. It was. David,
9: calm down.
16: It was. It was. All right,
9: right. I believe you. You do? Yes. Now, calm down.
16: The bat was here, and I know why it was here.
9: Why was it here?
16: He sent it after me. Yes, yeah, Cousin Barnabas. Cousin Barnabas hates me. Oh, David. He sent the bat because he wants me to die. He wants me to die. He wants me to die.
7: what a pleasant surprise. Hello, Barnabas. May I speak with you for a moment? Of course. Come in. Well, we've seen very little of each other lately. How are you? Troubled, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. May I ask why? Oh, it's David. Oh, what's the doubt? Becoming more and more of a problem. Well, I know he's been behaving very strangely since uh, he ran away. Strange is hardly the word for it. This evening he imagined he was attacked by a bat. A bat? That's what he said. A bat was supposed to have gotten into his room and flown at him. But perhaps something did get into his room. No, the window was closed and bolted. Nothing could have gotten in the room. How curious. I would have thought he was lying if he hadn't been so genuinely terrified. It must have been some hallucination that was quite real to him. He was so upset we had to call Dr. Woodard, and I'm going to suggest that he recommend a psychiatrist. The boy obviously needs one. I'm terribly sorry to hear about this.
10: I wish there was something I could do to help.
7: Oh, thank you, but there's nothing you can do. It's our problem. Oh, which reminds me, I'm forgetting the reason for my visit. I owe you an apology. An apology? For what? Didn't Miss Hoffman tell you? She found David prowling around here this afternoon.
10: Oh. Why, yes. Yes.
7: She did mention it. I've made him promise that it will never happen again. I'll see to it that he keeps his promise this time.
10: But how could he have gotten in here that... The front
7: door was locked. Oh, I don't know. David has a rare talent for being places he shouldn't be. What was he looking for? Oh, it's so absurd, I hesitate to tell you. Oh, please, I'd like to know. He thinks you've something hidden here. Something hidden? Yes, something strange and spooky, to use his own words. (laughs) Such as? Oh, he has no idea. Just imagines that you've some great mystery in your basement. Why my basement? Because he found the basement door locked. This stimulated his imagination, so he's quite convinced that you have some dark mystery in the basement. Have you ever heard of such utter nonsense? Of course not. But uh, there's nothing uh, there but uh, but a lot of odds and ends. Well, of course there isn't. Well, if I can. uh, show you myself. I would be quite glad to. I wouldn't dream of wasting my time or yours. But I don't know what I'm going to do about David. His fantasies are getting wilder and wilder. Each day he comes up with something new. Today he announced that he'd had another visit by his ghostly friend. Oh, his little friend Sarah. Yes. She appeared to him last night in the middle of the night, which of course provoked his coming here this afternoon. Well, what did that mean? She supposedly warned him to stay away from this house. There's danger here for him, she says. That was... Well, what else did she say? Well, that's all she said, as far as I know. Of course, it it must have been a dream. Of course, it was a dream. He's had a succession of nightmares. One of them was about you. About me? Yes. Don't laugh, but... He dreamed that he saw you rising out of a coffin. A a coffin? Yes, the dream terrified him, so he woke up screaming. Oh, how could he possibly have dreamt a thing like that about me? Why does he imagine any of these things? None of them make sense. Roger... May I make a suggestion? I'd welcome one. Had you ever thought of the idea of sending him away for a while? Sending him away? Yes, the legends of Collingwood seem to have affected his mind.
10: Perhaps he should be sent to a special school where he would get special care and attention.
7: At least... Until these hallucinations are gone. Well, I would agree to it, but Liz would never go along with it. Well, perhaps we should uh, both speak to her. I'll mention it tonight, but I can predict her reaction. She's very possessive where David is concerned. Well, perhaps we should try to convince her that sending him away would be the best thing for David. For everyone involved.
16: any of it
7: Uh, Settle down now, Davy
16: But I didn't There was a bat And it was huge And mean and terrible and ugly And it attacked me Well,
7: you're all
10: right now So just try to go to sleep, huh?
16: I don't want to sleep
10: Now, look, that pill I gave you Is going to start to take effect any minute Don't fight it
16: I'm not lying I'm not lying
10: All right, Davy
16: I did see that bat And Sarah was here Sarah? Yes. Here in this room. And she was real.
10: When was she here? Last night. What'd she say to you?
16: Do you believe that she was here?
10: Well, I think it's uh, possible that she was.
16: Do you believe that there is a Sarah and that she is a ghost?
7: I... I'm not sure what I believe, Davy.
16: Well, there is a Sarah and she is a ghost.
7: Now, look. You haven't answered
10: my question. What did she say to you?
16: She warned me to stay away from the old house.
10: From the old house?
16: Yes, because there's something in there, some kind of danger.
7: But what danger?
16: I don't know. She wouldn't say.
7: All she said was to stay away from the old house.
16: That's right,
10: Did she say anything else?
16: Well, she told me something that surprised me a lot.
10: Well, what was that?
16: That Willie Loomis is innocent. Innocent? Yes. She told me that she didn't do anything that she was supposed to have done.
10: Well, then who
16: did? Well, I don't know. She wouldn't exactly say.
7: She wouldn't, or or couldn't?
16: Well, I'm not sure. I think she knew, but she just wouldn't tell me. Because Sarah seems to know almost everything.
7: Yes, she does.
16: Do you believe that she's right about Willie? I don't know. Well, she was right about Maggie Evans being alive.
7: Yes, she was.
16: I think she's right about Willie, too. She may be. I sort of liked Willie. I don't really think he could do anything to hurt anyone.
4: Baby, did did she say anything else?
16: No, she didn't. She didn't stay long. She never does. I see. <laughs> i sort of sleepy.
7: Well, relax then. Time to go to sleep.
16: Do you believe what I told you about Sarah? Come on
10: now. Just close your eyes and Relax.
9: Well, it is true. It is
7: true. No, Roger. Won't you even consider it, Liz?
9: No. But
7: we've got to think about the boy.
9: I am thinking about David. This is his home. He'd be miserable if we sent him away to a special school.
7: The legends of Colin Wood are obviously affecting his mind.
9: I admit he's overimaginative.
7: Overimaginative? Is that what you call his fantasies, about being attacked by a bat?
9: I'm as alarmed about that as you are.
7: But we've got to do something to help him.
9: I agree, but sending him away is not the answer. Liz... I refuse to argue about it, Roger. He needs us now more than ever. I will not send him away.
7: All right, Liz, all right. Come well, on, right. Roger. This is Stoddard. How is he? He's uh, sleeping now. Physically, he's fine. And mentally... I'm not sure. Doctor, can you recommend a psychiatrist?
9: A psychiatrist?
7: Yes. He needs one, Liz. We've got to find out about these fantasies. If they are fantasies. But well, of course they're fantasies. What else could they be? Again, I'm not sure. What are you hinting at? Roger, it's just possible. Barely possible that David isn't imagining these things that have been happening to him. How is it possible? Well, I... I can't explain what I mean. All
10: I can say is that I find everything David tells me strange, but interesting. Extremely interesting. <laughs>
16: did you come? Because I'm mad at you. Mad at me? Why? Because you did what I told you not to do. You went to the old house, and you shouldn't have. How, how did you know that I went there? I just know. Well, Sarah, I had to go there. You see, they didn't believe that you came to me last night, and, well, I had to prove to them that you had a reason for warning me, and that I'm not a liar. Well, don't go there again, David. Stay away from the old house. Why? Because you'll get in trouble if you go there. Trouble? What kind of trouble? Just trouble. What's in that house, Sarah? I can't tell you, David. Danger's in there. Danger? What kind of danger? Just... Stay away from the old house, David. Sarah, whatever's in that house is in the basement, isn't it? Why do you say that? Because the basement door was locked and it's never been locked before. Don't ever go near the basement, David, ever. Why? It's not safe. You mean there's something spooky down there? Maybe. What is it? I can't tell you, David. And you ask too many questions. Well, Sarah, I wish you'd answer more of my questions. Sometimes I'm not sure the answers. You aren't? No. I brought something for you. You did? Yes. Here. Is this for me? Yes. It's a present. I want you to have it. Well, Sarah, you don't have to give me presents. But this is a special one. Special? I want you to keep it with you, always. It'll keep you safe. Safe from what? Just safe. Sarah, I didn't know little girls played with toy soldiers. I don't. Well, then where'd you get this? It used to belong to someone. Who? Who? someone who played with it a long time ago. Sarah, I promise I'll keep this. I... I want you to promise that you'll keep it? And not give it away? Yeah, I will keep it. It's really keen, Sarah. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stay right there while I get my Aunt Elizabeth. So I can prove to her that that you really come here. I can't, David. I've got to go. Sarah, don't go. I have to. Sarah, bye David. Bye. Sarah. Sarah.
1: Sarah.
17: A guiling and deceptive calm pervades the night air that has settled over Collinwood. And even the mild autumn chill holds no hint of the dangers locked within the dark. But evil, like a savage beast, shows its full cruelty only when threatened. And through this night, and the day and night to come, the threat will mount and the evil will feel itself forced to exercise the fullness of its power. Barnabas, I've prepared another treatment. I'd like to give it to you now. did you hear me? I heard you. Well, then, why aren't you getting ready?
7: Getting ready for what, Dr. Howe?
17: I told you I prepared another treatment. It's almost morning.
10: Perhaps it is I who should be giving you a treatment. I
17: don't know what you're talking about.
10: But of course, my treatments differ somewhat from yours in their effect.
17: With you, I don't understand. At
10: least I am assured of the loyalty of my patients. What
17: are you saying? I require
10: loyalty, Doctor, above all else.
17: I've never been disloyal, haven't you? You, you know I haven't.
10: I disagree. Oh! And I'm not sure that I should continue to take any more chances.
1: Barnabas, no!
10: I am during the day, and yet you failed to protect me.
17: I don't know what you're talking about.
10: Think, Doctor, think.
17: Please, Barnabas, tell me exactly what you're trying to say.
10: I have told you. I demand complete loyalty.
17: You've had it for me. i put myself in terrible danger for you time and time again. But
10: what if I were the one in danger? Would you warn me? Would you tell me?
17: When didn't I?
10: Earlier this afternoon.
17: You, you weren't in any danger?
10: That, if this moment, is not the point.
17: But then what is the point?
10: The point is that I am in danger. Now someone was here. Someone was in this in this room. Oh, someone came to the basement door.
17: Is that what you all this is about?
10: Then there was someone here. Yes,
17: yes, David was here.
10: That's better. And he did come to the basement door.
17: Yes, but he didn't get any farther. Oh.
10: Well what do you mean?
17: You weren't in any danger, Barnabas.
10: I was in danger, and you didn't tell me. I had to uh, learn inadvertently from my cousin Roger.
17: There was there was no need for you to know, because nothing happened.
10: You were afraid if I did know that I might do something to David. Oh, he told
17: me that you knew how to cope with him. I do.
7: As a matter of fact, I had. What did you do? Don't worry.
10: The boy is quite safe. At least safer than he
17: was. You didn't answer my question. What did you do? I didn't touch the child. Good. You didn't have to. You're safe, Barnabas. Everyone believes that Willie kidnapped Maggie. Willie is out of the way. If you did anything to harm David, or for that matter, me, everyone would realize that Willie wasn't the right man. You're safe, Barnabas, but you won't accept the fact.
10: Safe. Safe. When nothing stands in the way of complete exposure, but a locked door, and someone is already tugging at that lock, and I don't know about it. How can you say that I am
17: safe? The only way you'll be completely safe is if I conclude oh. my experiments successfully. Harm me and you'll never be safe. Never!
10: I've come such a great distance and even now my quest is far from over. I must find my bride, my dear Josette. Nothing must
1: stop me now. Nothing.
17: Nothing will stop you except your own hysteria. If they destroy you, they destroy me, too. Barnabas, if you won't believe that I'll do anything to protect you, then you must believe that I will do anything to protect myself. Now, your treatment is ready. see David all day and then just a few minutes ago when Mrs. Johnson brought in the tea, she told me that Dr. Woodard had been to see him last night. Is is he sick?
1: No,
7: at least not physically.
17: You mean he had another one of those nightmares?
7: Apparently. Rather, I hope it was a nightmare.
17: Do you think something real happened?
7: No, not real.
17: Well, I don't understand.
7: Well, if it wasn't a nightmare. It could have been an actual hallucination.
17: Hallucination?
7: Yes. That is worse than a nightmare.
17: But what what happened? What, what did David think happened?
7: He said a bat. A huge bat was hovering outside his window. Then got into his room and began to attack him. A bat? Yes. We heard his screams and when we got upstairs we found the poor little fellow... Cowering in the corner.
17: Do you know, actually, it it could have been a bat. I have seen them outside on the grounds at night.
7: No, it couldn't have been.
17: Why are you so sure? Because
7: David described the bat as an impossible size and then said it just disappeared. I see. Oh, I wish I knew what to do with him. Nightmares, hallucinations,
17: and signs of paranoia. You mean... His fear that Barnabas will kill him.
7: It's more than a fear, I'm afraid. It's a conviction.
17: Would you like to know what I think?
7: I know already. You think the boy's very sick, don't you?
17: No, not necessarily. I think he's highly strung and very imaginative.
7: Yes, to say the least.
17: I think it might be a good idea to send him away. To school, I mean.
7: Strange that you mention that. Barnabas himself suggested it last night. He did? Yes, I went down to the old house to apologize for David's intrusion yesterday. And I couldn't help but tell him about David's difficulties. You,
17: you told him all about David's nightmare and, and his fear that Barnabas is going to kill him?
7: Well, the whole thing has me so worried, I couldn't help but talk about it. I know that you suggested that I shouldn't, but...
17: Only because I thought it might upset Barnabas.
7: He didn't seem too upset. He understands that David (laughs) has a wild imagination. He even felt sorry for him. That's when he suggested sending him away to school.
17: What do you think of the idea?
7: Well, I think it's a very good idea.
17: Then David will be going away?
7: I don't know. His Aunt Elizabeth is completely opposed.
17: But if it's... For David's good.
7: I'm still hoping to convince her, but my sister isn't the most tractable of opponents. Yet she knows as well as I do that the situation can't be allowed to continue. David continues to imagine these things about his cousin, about the evil in the old house. Something very drastic will have to be done.
16: They're going to send me away. They don't believe me. They—they're going to send me away. No, I won't let them do it. I'll prove to them that I'm right. I'll prove to them that there's something terrible in the basement. Stay away from the old house. Sarah? Danger. Sarah! Don't go near the basement. Ever. Danger. Danger. Danger.
1: But I've got to go
16: You said this would protect me I don't know how It's only an old wooden soldier But I've I've got to get into the basement, even if I have to steal my aunt's key. I've got to prove that I haven't just been imagining things. I've got to. Sarah! Sarah! Will this really protect me? Sarah!
0: Always means you're up to something. What was it? I was looking for Aunt Elizabeth. Are you sure? Didn't I see you put something in your
16: pocket? Oh. (laughs) Yes. This. What is it? It's a wooden soldier. It's a very, very old one. Where'd you find it? Oh, I was kicking around in the leaves, and I found it lying in the dirt.
0: Well, it certainly looks old. I think I'll go up to my room now. Uh, just a minute. You haven't answered my question.
16: What were you doing in the study? I told you. I was looking for Aunt Elizabeth. I wanted to show this to her. I thought maybe she'd recognize it. Are you sure? Nobody believes anything I say anymore. All right, David. I believe you. I don't know why I bother to explain anything. I said that I believe you. Don't get so excited. Well, it makes me mad.
0: Look. Why don't you show that soldier to Miss Hoffman? You know how interested she is in anything from the past.
16: Yes, I'll show it to her sometime. Why not now? Mrs. Johnson
0: said that she's in the drawing
16: room. I'll do it some other time. Well, she might be able to know something about it because of her research. I want to do it another time. I'm tired now. I thought I'd go up to my room and read, study or something.
0: All right, I'll be the last to object to that.
16: I'll see you later.
0: David, why don't you let me show him talking to the soldier?
16: I want to keep it with me.
0: Okay, you run along now. Well, Dave seems to be much better. He actually volunteered to do some studying.
7: Well, that's encouraging.
0: He seems to be quite pleased with himself. He's found himself a treasure. A treasure? Yes, it's an antique. A very old toy soldier. I think you might be interested in it.
17: Oh, is it that unusual?
0: Only because it's obviously so old.
17: Oh, how old? I
0: mean, that's something you probably know better than I would. But it's so nice to see David pleased by something that's so simple. Lately,
17: he's been so upset and troubled. Yes, he said to say that. Well, where did he find it?
0: Outside. He said he was, was, was kicking around in the leaves, and there
17: it was. What does it look like?
0: Well, it's got a blue coat with uh, crossbands on the chest, and it's holding a rifle. And there's an knapsack on its back.
17: Then it is old. How do you know? I, I think I've seen something... Looks like that in, a, in an old family album.
0: You mean that, that you might know who it belonged to?
17: Well, well I'm not sure, not exactly, but, but there was a picture of a little girl, and she was holding a doll, and a little boy was holding a little toy soldier that sounds quite like that. It may not be exactly the same soldier, but if I could see it and David could tell me exactly where he saw it... Well, I he, found
0: it up in his room. Why don't you go up and ask him? I know he'd be very interested.
17: I will. I'll be interested, too.
0: Soldier. No. Why not?
17: He wasn't at his room.
0: But he just went up a little while ago. He said he was going to do some studying.
17: Yes, but he must have changed his mind.
0: Maybe he's in the kitchen pestering Mrs. Johnson.
17: Or maybe... What? Maybe he went down to the old house.
0: But he knows he's not supposed to go down there.
17: That never stopped him before.
0: Why did he have to disobey like that?
17: You said that he had a fascination for the old house. I don't
0: know why he goes down there when he's so frightened of of his cousin. and Every time he goes there, he just gets more frightened. And besides, it's going to be dark in a little while.
17: I'll go find him.
0: I'd better go
17: with you. No. I mean, there's no point in both of us going. I want to go down there anyway and see if I can find the picture that I was talking about. He may be around here somewhere in the kitchen or around the house, but you don't need to come with
0: me. Well, I I don't want him to to come home alone in the dark.
17: Well, I'll bring him home.
0: But you said you wanted to look for your picture.
17: Well, I can do that some other time. If he's there, I'll bring him back. There's no point in both of us going traipsing over.
0: Well, all right, but I I hope he's not there.
17: Yes, I hope he's not there.
0: Not that he's in any kind of a danger, but... Well, it just makes him so upset, and I think it makes Barnabas
17: upset, too. Of course, there's no real danger... Will descend. A small boy has broken into the old house on the great estate, determined to discover its secrets. His curiosity is about to place him in the greatest danger he has ever known.
7: doing here?
16: I...
10: You promised your father that you wouldn't come sneaking in this house. Why did you break that promise? I... Well, what's the matter? Why don't you speak? Are you afraid of me?
16: This coffin. What about? What, what's it doing here?
10: You ask a great many questions, David. Far too many for your own good.
16: No, please.
10: Please, what?
16: Please, please. Don't hurt me.
10: You broke your word. You must be punished, much no. as I regret to do it.
16: No, don't, don't, please! Help! David David
1: David!
17: David, David what, what's happening? What, what, what's going on? Barnabas,
16: he, he's going to kill me. Kill you?
10: I found him prowling around in the basement.
16: What?
10: Yes. I was about to give him a sound
17: spanking.
16: He grabbed me. He was going to kill me.
17: Oh, now, David, no one's going to harm you.
16: Stay away from me. Don't let him come
17: near me. A Barnabas is not going to harm you, are you, Barnabas? No, of course not. You see,
10: little boys who go around breaking into other people's houses should be punished. But I'll let your father do that.
17: You're going to let me go back home?
10: In a moment, after you've answered some questions.
16: Questions?
10: How did you get down in the basement?
16: I, I took
10: my answer with a key. Oh. So there's another set of keys.
16: Yes.
7: Well, where are they?
16: In my pocket.
7: May I have them? I'll keep these for the time being.
10: Just in case you decide to pay me another unexpected visit.
1: Can
16: I I go now, please?
10: After you promise me that you will never try to break into this house again,
16: I promise.
7: All right, you may go. What
17: did he see in the basement?
6: The coffin.
1: The coffin.
6: Yes.
17: He'll he'll run right back to Collinwood and tell everyone.
10: Perhaps they won't believe him.
17: But what if they do?
10: And whoever he tells is in possession of some very dangerous knowledge.
17: You must be planning something, Barnabas. What is it? You'll see, Doctor. You'll see. Barnabas, I hope you know what you're doing.
7: I believe I do. Disappeared? That's what Mrs. Johnson says. Vicky's out looking for him now. Miss Hoffman is down at the old house. Where do you suppose he went no, but I'm getting worried about that kid. He's behaving very strangely, lately, and according to Vicki, he's had all sorts of wild fantasies. Yeah. they are fantasies. What do you mean by that? Oh, I'm not sure what I mean myself, Burke. Now, what's up, Dave? I've never known you to talk in riddles before. Look, we go into that room for a minute, I've got a question I want to ask. What is it? A while back you told me that you thought you were on to something. Something pretty fantastic. Yes. What were you talking about? Well, I had a theory about the maniac who kidnapped Maggie, but it turned out to be wrong. Well, what was your theory? Well, does it matter now? The maniac turned out to be Willie and all my suspicions were wrong. But who did you suspect? Well, I'd, I'd rather not say. Well, why not? Well, because of Vicky. Vicky? The, the man in question happens to be a friend of Vicky's, and I can't say a word against him. Are you talking about Barnabas Collins? Why do you say that? Was it Barnabas? Well, yes. There was a time when I thought that Barnabas was... Well, not all that he seemed to be, but apparently I'm wrong. Well, what did you think was strange about him? I... David oh Burke I'm so glad you're here where have you been
16: the old house
7: well what were you doing at the old house uh,
16: uh, I found I found out the secret
7: the secret yes
16: the, the secret of the old house I know what it is what are you
7: talking about David
16: there's a coffin in the basement of the old house
7: a coffin
16: yes and it's empty
7: well now wait a
16: minute it's there Burke it's really there
7: now what would Barnabas Collins be doing with the coffin in his basement?
16: Because he's dead. Dead? He walks and talks, but, but he's really dead. And that was his coffin that I
7: saw. Now, hold on, Dave. You know what you're saying?
16: Yes. I knew there was something spooky about him ever since I had that dream. And in that dream, I saw him rise up out of a coffin. Just like that one. And it turned out to be real.
17: You
7: must forget about that dream, David. Miss
17: Hoffman. David, are you all right? Yes. I found David wandering around the old house. He was hysterical, imagining all sorts of things.
16: I wasn't imagining things. One of us tried to kill me. Kill you? Yes. And if Miss Hoffman hadn't come in at the time would have killed me
17: oh david he was just going to spank you for breaking into his house but he didn't even get to do that did he he was going to kill me now why would mr collins want to kill you
16: because i found out about his coffin
17: his coffin
16: yes he has a coffin and he keeps it in the basement of the old house i saw it and that's why he wanted to kill me
17: david you you didn't see a coffin Yes, I did. No, you only imagined you did. You saw something that resembled a coffin, a a trunk, perhaps.
16: No, it was a real
17: coffin, and the top was open. But that's not possible. What do you mean, Julia? I've been to the basement of the old house, and there's nothing there, nothing at all. David, Don't
16: listen to her, Bert. There is a coffin. There really is.
7: Calm
16: down. Bert, if you don't believe me, go to the old house. Go to the basement. That's where it is. You see for yourself. What is
7: all this commotion?
16: Go there.
17: You go there, too, please. Go where? The old house. The old house? David imagines that he saw a coffin in the basement of the old house.
7: A coffin?
16: It's there. Really, it is.
17: Now, David, if you'd seen a coffin there, I would have, too. And I didn't see anything. So there must not have been anything there. Why are you lying? I'm not lying. And and neither are you. You just imagined you saw something, but but you didn't see any coffin. Don't listen to her, Bert. She's lying. I
1: don't
16: know why, but she's lying. David, I will
17: not have you talking to Miss Hartman this
7: way. Apologize at once. I won't
16: apologize because she...
7: It's lying. David.
17: It, it, it's, it's, it's alright. He's, he's just excited. David, I'll take you up to your no. room.
16: No! Stay away from me. This
17: coffin
7: isn't going to hurt you, David.
16: She's going to protect him. She's his friend. She's going to help him.
7: David, I've had enough of this nonsense. Go to your room.
16: Burke, go to the old house. Make Barbara show you the basement. Then you'll see a coffin. You'll see it.
7: Did you hear me, David? Go to your room immediately. I want to apologize. My son, Hoffman, I... I don't know what else to say.
17: No, it's all right. I realize he's, he's highly disturbed. I wonder... Wonder what?
7: How disturbed he really is. What does that mean? I think we ought to go to the old house. Whatever for, To. Check out the boy's word. Do you seriously think there's a grain of truth in this preposterous story? It is pretty far-fetched. All right, Burke. Ninety-nine chances out of a hundred, it's nothing but the boy's imagination. But there is that one chance that he did see something. And I think we ought to check it out. What are you thinking, Doctor? Are you just Do you suspect that there's something dire and sinister about my cousin? I am not accusing Barnabas of anything, but David has been accused of having fantasies. So you want to barge into his house and demand that you inspect his basement? Why should he object? Letting us see it, unless he has something to hide. I think the doctor is right. I think we ought to take a look. You've both lost your minds, possibly.
17: Mr. Collins would be very insulting. Of
7: course he wouldn't. I will not allow you to insult him this way. Unfortunately, you have nothing to say about it. If we want to go down there, we will. But then I'll have nothing to do with it. I wash my hands of the whole thing. That's your privilege. Shall we go? Dave. Yes, Judy. Nothing. You're making fools of yourselves. Maybe we are. But that's our privilege. Utter nonsense in
17: all your life? No no never.
7: I do for you. Uh, could we see you for a moment, Mr. Collins? Of course. Come, Come in. in. Thank you. Now, what is it? I'm afraid we have a rather unusual request. Yes. We'd like to take a look at your basement. My basement. Young David claims that he saw something down there. Something, um, Rather weird. What? A coffin. A coffin? That's what he claims. Poor
10: cousin David. His fantasies are getting more and more out of hand. I'm really growing quite concerned for him.
7: Then it is a fantasy. There's no coffin. Well, of course there isn't. What would I be doing with a coffin in my basement? It would be strange, to say the least. Well, I assure you, there's nothing down there but uh, some old trunks and a lot of odds and ends. Then you won't mind our having a look. What? I said you won't mind our having a look. Well, I told you, I, there's nothing down there. Won't you believe me? It's your word against David. My word against
10: the word of a of a disturbed child? You
7: prefer to believe him. We don't know who to believe, Mr. Collins. That's why we want to see for ourselves. I resent the implication of what you're saying. I find it quite insulting. I'm sorry. You know, it would be within my right to ask the both of you to leave this house immediately. We realize that. But we're not leaving. Until we have a look at your bacon. And if I refuse to let you go down there, that wouldn't be a good idea. Are you threatening me, Mr. Devlin? No. We're asking you to show us your basement. If you've nothing to hide, then you, you shouldn't object to showing
10: it to us. I dislike invasions of my privacy. That's why
7: I refuse to let you see it. Refuse? Yes, refuse. I'm beginning to think that you are hiding something, Mr. Collins. Nonsense! Now, please leave my house now. But we'll come back with a search warrant if necessary. Wait. Why? I'll show you the basement. You will? Yes. So that we can end all of this nonsense once and for all. Come with me. dark in here, I can't see a thing. I like some candles. Gentlemen, do you see anything that faintly resembles a coffin? No. Are you willing to admit that you are wrong? We apologize, Mr. Collins. Obviously, the uh, coffin was a figment of David's imagination.
6: Obviously.
2: next week this has been bill holwick from west texas for broken Sea audio productions www.brokensea.com good, evening. good evening. the music for tonight's episode was composed by brian a seraphic Panoply and stevie farnaby
8: My name is Carl Kolshak, former reporter for INS, Chicago's very own independent news service. In all my years of investigative journalism, I've seen some pretty strange things. Today, you'd simply look at them as amusing fodder for the national tabloids. But hear me out when I tell you that they're real. The vampires, androids, ghosts, swamp creatures, monkey men, and even Jack the Ripper. Yes, every last Rather than jeopardize my former editor's sanity with such sensational tales, I simply left out the details for public consumption. Oh, I kept the real transcripts. Conveniently tucked away from the curious eye in a file under the innocuous name All Saints Archive. But now, happily retired, I believe I can finally release the full accounts as I actually experience them. Prepare yourself now for one of many cases from the All Saints Archive, or as I call them, The Night Stalker Incidents